0: Inside sources. Inside sources. Inside sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. When the Taliban retook control of Afghanistan, Utahns and Americans across the country welcomed thousands of evacuees into the country. But the path to permanent residency looks really rocky and really uncertain. Uncertain to far too many of them. Uh, Caroline Simon is a reporter for Roll Call. She covers immigration policy in particular, and she joins us on the line now. Caroline, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, so this is this is one where this this part drives me crazy, uh, and that is we we've had all these uh, Afghan refugees uh, come in, these evacuees. And so many good things are happening all across the country uh, to make them feel welcome, to help them get established. Uh, And yet for many of them, the biggest thing they're going to they're going to experience on the negative front is the uncertainty of their status. What are you finding?
1: Sure. Um, So this just kind of gets into how complicated our immigration system can be. You know, after the U.S. withdrew from Afghanistan, around 70,000 people um, were allowed to enter the country under what's called humanitarian parole. Um, Humanitarian parole is a special status given to foreigners without visas for pressing humanitarian reasons. Um, Many of the people who you saw getting on planes out of Kabul during that very hectic few weeks ended up um, being allowed to the U.S. under humanitarian parole. Um, and Within that group, about half um, are in the process of applying for special immigrant visas, um, which means they do have a pass to stay in the U.S. because they worked for the U.S. military as an interpreter or in another similar role, um, and their spouses and kids are also eligible. Um, but there's a group of roughly 36,000 Afghans, um, you know, a pretty significant number, who don't qualify for those special immigrant visas. Um, you know, this could be because they are extended family members of people who have them. Um, they may not have worked for the U.S. military for a long enough period of time to qualify. Um, they could be eligible for a special immigrant visa but just haven't started to apply. Um, or they may have even worked for the U.S. in a more informal role like intelligence gathering. Um, as you can imagine, this group of people would definitely face risk under the Taliban if they were to return. But, They're in legal limbo because they don't have a top affirmative protection. Um, In order to get protection, they would have to apply for asylum through the judicial system, which is very, very backlogged um, and can take years to hear back on that. So, um, like you said, they're in kind of a period of uncertainty right now um, while they wait for something to be figured out for them.
0: Yeah. And I know that Congress, uh, you reported this uh, on roll call, that uh, Congress ordered back uh, just a few days ago, I guess, January 28th, a report um actually excuse me the report was from back in september uh and the report was uh released uh, operation allies welcome and uh as that was released what what else was in that report uh that provides any kind of guidance in terms of now that we're at at this point what what is the path forward
1: yeah, um, so the report just gave a lot of kind of very specific details about who we're dealing with in terms of this Afghan population, um, you know, whether it's people who are looking for special immigrant visas, um, people who are looking for traditional refugee status, or people who um, just have no path to protection. Um, and the report also had a couple of interesting details about the vetting process used for Afghan refugees, as well as the amount of funding that Congress has provided um, to make this whole resettlement operation happen.
0: And so as we, we look at how that has played out, I, I think this is one of the areas uh, where in, in the midst of all the immigration issues, uh, I think there is broad support that everybody knows we, we've got to figure out uh, how we simplify the immigration system uh, so that it is easier for people to come here legally or that there is a process with some certainty uh, because it's that uncertainty, I think, that, uh, that undermines what we're actually trying to do and often drives uh, those facing that uncertainty into the shadows.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult. Um, You know, if if you came here as a humanitarian parolee, um, you've probably been assisted by resettlement groups to settle into a community across the country. Um, Your kids are in school. um, You're, you know, undergoing job training, learning English. But it's hard to do all those things um, that is available to traditional refugees who have a permanent path if you don't know that you're going to be able to stay in the U.S. for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, and and do you see anything on the horizon, Caroline? Is there any... Is there any bipartisan group? Is there any, even any one member of Congress or a senator uh, who's really taking up this cause and saying, hey, look, we can, there is a fix to this, so let's let's get on about fixing it?
1: Yeah, so I think we've seen a lot of immigrant advocacy groups and refugee resettlement groups push for something called an Afghan Adjustment Act, um, and this would allow people who are here under humanitarian parole temporarily to apply for permanent protection. Um this does have precedent. Actually, Congress did something similar um, in the 60s to allow people fleeing Cuba to get protection. They did the same thing after Vietnam. Um, And this is actually something that Biden asked for last year, but there just wasn't enough support in Congress for it. Um, You know, I think you've seen a couple people on both sides of the aisle, um, you know, look at the plight of Afghan refugees. Um, Richard Blumenthal from Connecticut is one person that comes to mind um, for me. But um, even though, like you said, the Afghan resettlement effort has been so bipartisan, you know, I know governors from red and blue states have been pretty open about welcoming Afghan refugees. Um, immigration can just be such a, or I'm sorry, such a partisan issue, um, more so than it was decades ago, especially as we get into an election year. So um, right now, there's just not the support for that kind of legislation in Congress. But who knows what we'll see um, in the next couple months?
0: Yeah, I, and I think you you pointed out something so critical there, Caroline, and that is the. Uh, the political side of all of this and the election side of all of this. Both sides love to use these immigration issues as a wedge issue. It's a great way to raise campaign cash. It's a great way to take shots at your opponent in a primary or a general election. Uh, And so often I think that keeps us a safe distance from actually having the conversation. And And I love that you pointed out that, look, there's not only is this just good common sense, we also have precedent for this, whether it's uh, Cuba or whether it's uh, other places around the world where we've had these very similar situations. Uh, And unless Mm -hmm. we can get Congress to set the politics on the side and say, hey, let's let's not worry about scoring the political points on this one. Uh, There's a path to this. And most important, this is about people. And this is about the American country uh, keeping its promises to critical allies. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, something that even has been pointed out to me by a number of experts I've spoken to is Aside from this being a huge humanitarian problem, it's also a national security issue because, you know, if other countries perceive that we're not committed to our allies who helped us during this very long conflict, then that has ramifications for any other kind of intervention or future foreign policy that we might have.
0: Oh, that is a fantastic point. This is a national security issue uh, because, remember, one of the things that We have been focused on and one of the things that the Biden administration ran on was restoring uh, America as a trusted partner around the world. And what we do uh, with those who have come to this country who helped us, who were our guides and interpreters uh, and a host of other things, uh, if we're not showing that loyalty and keeping that trust, uh, that is a significant national security issue. I really appreciate you raising that, Caroline. That's a a real vital point. And thanks for all your insight. Again, Caroline Simon is a reporter for Roll Call, covering immigration policy. Great insight. A lot for us to think about. A lot of us to get done uh, in terms of how we treat those who have come here, who have been so helpful to us uh, around the world. Caroline, thanks again for joining us. Thank
1: you so much
0: for having me. All right, we're going to step aside for one last commercial break. And when we come back, some final thoughts, some things to think about on a Wednesday on Groundhog Day, and some things I think we can do to simplify and recognize how blessed we are by the simplicity we have. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back.
2: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds.